Did you know 663 million people live without clean drinking water every day? That's nearly one in 10. Let me tell you about my friends at FNX. FNX can solve all your health, nutrition, and supplement needs because they are first class in making their products so you can be at your best. Whether you're a CrossFit freak, bodybuilder, or just mom and dad making it a point twice per week, FNX will elevate your game. I have been using FNX and I feel and see the difference. The protein, delicious. My workouts, way more intense. And my energy, there all day. Try it for yourself. Visit fnxfit.com. Use code 4C15. That's 4C15 for 15% off each order. What's more, every time you make a purchase, a child in need receives one gallon of clean drinking water. FNX has donated over 100,000 gallons of clean drinking water. Make your mark today. What is going on, everybody? Pete Forsey, the podcast. Happy Monday. If you're listening to this on Tuesday, we're recording Monday evening after a solid week eight. Um, not really great matchups from this week eight, but you know, a couple of good games. And you know, you you put together your little uh, agenda here for the podcast, as I do uh, every Monday, and then it can get completely turned upside down or shifted depending upon what you learn after the Sunday games and the Monday games, and definitely have to touch on the Rams. Again, go-getters, aggressive wins, and that's what they continue to do since Sean McVay took over in 2017. They make moves. They don't mess around. Less need. Trading for Von Miller. Definitely want to touch on that. Um, You know, it's been, it's not been an easy Monday by no means. I was up at 3.30 in the morning. Um, Every day's a gift for sure. Definitely cherish uh, every uh, every opportunity you get, but there's been nothing easy about Monday, and I thought, man, you know, I've been doing this every week. It's been seven weeks through the NFL. Might be a good time to take a, a week off here because, I'm, you know, I popped some Zycam a couple hours ago, not feeling the best, try to get the, the vitamins going, drink plenty of fluids, and then I just thought to Belichick. No days off, baby. Pat's Super Bowl parade against the Falcons. No days off. No days off. In this case, for the pod, no weeks off. We're back here on Monday. And, you know, we, we got some things to hit on between Kirk Cousins, losing to the Cowboys. Always have had a soft spot for Kirk. Kind of want to give him some love here on some, you know, things to keep in mind after a putrid performance from the Vikings offense. Henry, Derek Henry, Jameis, they go down. Um, need to touch on that and the fact that those are a couple of key losses for a couple of playoff teams. And, you know, we got the World Series heading back to Houston. Dusty Baker was in a bind yesterday. I was watching that Sunday night game as we had the Vikings-Cowboys game on. And he keeps his fighting chance uh, out there as far as keeping alive his first World Series ring, Dusty Baker, which I continue to just watch for Dusty. Love him. I uh, think he's a great manager. Five teams he's taken to the postseason. Very impressive. Uh, but we got plenty of NFL football to talk along with the Astros. So it's episode 60 of the podcast. I appreciate you tuning in. Let's get to it. Von Miller Rams off the top. I told you guys about it a couple weeks ago. 
I for, again, I refuse to say his name on the pod. He was some nut job over at USA Today talking about how the Rams are screwed because they have the Gurley contract, the golf contract, the Brandon Cooks contract, and how they have no draft picks. This was two years ago, Christmas, literally Christmas Day. He had a sarcastic response to me, like, happy Christmas to you, sir, after I had posted the tweet to him. And it wasn't even anything malicious. He just received it that way. Again, his tweet looks ridiculous. Because again, he just refused, most, just like most people in the media, you refuse to actually look at the other angles of something once a team loses draft picks. The media loves to spew that draft picks are the way you build a successful football team. There are other ways, like the Rams have been showing you for five years now under Sean McVay. They don't really draft that many players. They just don't. Not since 2017 or 2016. They're giving them up. And you know what they're getting back in return? victories, wins. They're a top five team in the league right now. Coincidentally, in the conference as well, just because the NFC's loaded. But what do they continue to do? Jalen Ramsey, yeah, they trade for him. Von Miller, they trade for him. Marcus Peters, they trade for him. Sammy Watkins, even, back in the day, they traded for him. They don't care about draft picks because they realize how much of a crapshoot it is just to get a good player with those draft picks. Some of these general managers think it's like gold giving up a second or third round pick. Like it's like, like it's precious currency. It's not. Go get good players right now and then pay them. You know they're good because they have NFL starts. Jalen Ramsey, again, i.e. Von Miller, yes, he's on the back half of his career, but he's going to be very, very valuable to this Super Bowl run. Focus on the then and now. Everybody likes to think it's just about, you know, the future. You're either you're either competing right now or, or, or you know, down years down the road here. No, you can focus on the here and now and also next season. The Rams do it. And they do it better than anybody else. Again, Aaron Donald is already a part of this team, traded for Von Miller. You also have Leonard Floyd, traded for Von Miller. Sebastian Joseph Day, one of the best run stoppers in the league, along with Floyd being, you know, ninth in pressure so far this year. They're already good at this position, yet they went and got Von Miller. Because aggressive wins put all your chips in the middle of the table. Put all your chips in the middle of the table. Figure out next year, next year. There's so much time between now and then. Don't don't, don't worry about that. You, you're not you're not like putting anything. Uh, you're not going for broke here by trading for Von Miller. It's a second and third round pick. You can get those back. Let someone walk in free agency. Compensatory pick. It's back in there. Third rounder. You know you you push your chips in the middle of the table and then you can get them back. It's not like they're just gone forever. So this idea that, oh my God, Matthew Stafford, <laughs> two first round picks, such a big, it's not a big deal. It's not. You're getting a great player for those picks and then you can get them back. I.E. Brandon Cooks, trade him back to the, or uh, trade him to the Texans, got picks back. You offloaded the contracts of Gurley and Goff, got good players back, got picks back. You're still a good football team. It's just that the media gives such a bad view to consumers like this USA Today guy that I tweeted at a couple couple of years ago. Yahoo's not even covering the league anymore for uh, for those that are keeping score. Like there's different ways to build a football team. And again, Von Miller, it's just another thing that the Rams are doing to, to keep pace in their division with the Cardinals, with, with the Seahawks, with, with the Niners. They realize, hey, we... Not only is this like a move to get us even better, it's it's almost somewhat necessary 
we, we don't have a dog in our division yet. I know Seattle and Niners, they're struggling a bit, but they're not bad. They just look awful because they're in a hyper-competitive division that is the NFC West. So, again, this just reinforces that there's, one, different ways to build a team. Two, if you're aggressive, oftentimes things are going to work out for you. Okay, whether you're talking about football or even if you're just talking about any other aspect of life, those who do nothing will just see what happens. You have a, you have any friends out there that always talk about what they're going to be doing or what they want to accomplish, and then their plan is, yeah, we'll just see what happens. Hopefully, it works out. That doesn't work. And I'm not some you know a philosopher. I'm not some Tony Robbins. But guess what? If you don't ask, you don't know. The Rams they ask for Von Miller. Von Miller, they are aggressive at the deadline. It's here on Monday. They got him before anybody else. And again, they are going to be Super Bowl contenders. So the Dallas Cowboys coming off a victory with Cooper Rush as their quarterback. No Dak Prescott. They warmed him up uh, in, before Sunday Night Football. Kind of strange. I know Collinsworth on the broadcast was saying, well, why'd you have him do that? if you thought he had to exceed expectations during the pregame workout because all you're doing is running risks there. I kind of get having him go through that workout because if he can play and there's just no limitations, you definitely want him to. Like, this is the NFL. There's there's 17 games, which I know that's more than last year, but still ultimately is not that many. So I get it. Uh, But ultimately they said, you know what? We've practiced all week with Rush. We have a playmaker at every position, wide receiver, tight end, Playmakers on the long, along the offensive line and defensively, we're we're playing at the highest level that we probably will all year. Let's just go ahead and give him a rest, and we can try and win with this rush guy against a middle of the pack team in the NFC. And they took home the victory against uh, the Vikings. But I want to talk about the Vikings side of things because again, this Kirk Cousins hate, which it, it always happens once they lose the upper echelon teams. Which you know, I I think that's obvious, obviously a thing. With Cousins, he doesn't really beat the better teams, which I get. Okay, like you're gonna put out some hate when he loses against where it matters the most. He'll pummel the crummy teams. He'll play against well uh, against the middle of the pack or equal teams, but then against the better ones, he kind of comes up short. I'm not denying that, but when you're lo- talking about teams like the Jets, the Dolphins, the Texans, and they have a unique situation with with Watson, the Giants, just more abound franchise now of the past six years, Uh, Washington, where Cousins left, Chicago even, with Justin Fields, in New Orleans now, they they got Trevor Simeon playing. Do you think those teams wouldn't love to have Kirk Cousins? Like, he's a guy, he's not going to make too many explosive plays. He's not going to put the team on his shoulders. But since he went to Minnesota, eight wins, ten wins, seven wins, He's got three this year in his fourth season. He's been on six different coordinators in the past six years, dating back to his time in Washington, and, and he's still just you know played at a, at a good enough level. And if you surround him with good defensive players, good offensive weapons with Minnesota drafting well, they're a contending team each and every year. Like The, the alternative is just passing on Kirk Cousins, saying, nope, no thanks, we're looking for something better. And then you just come up empty. You come up empty. And I know I just talked about aggressiveness and that being a key, but you don't you're not aggressive and then just reckless. Like the Jets, Zach Wilson, Mormon Mahomes over at BYU. He's been nothing short of a disaster. He's been awful. I looked at his tape prior to the draft and I said, this guy doesn't play well. 
Yeah, like he's athletic. He doesn't play well. Like, why do you think he's worth second overall? And, and these teams just get so so consumed with the idea of, oh, if they reach this ceiling, whether it's a quarterback or, or any other position on the field, it's it's just a binary decision here. Why are you passing up on opportunities like Kirk Cousins so quickly? Seven wins this or seven wins last year, ten wins before that, eight wins. Like there is value in that. The, the, the Vikings have made the playoffs with Kirk Cousins. They've signed him up because they go, yes, yeah, stability. I know what I'm getting. I know how to build my team around that. Whereas other teams, they, they just continue to like hunt the, the big prize, the big fish. A lot of times you're coming up empty and, and you're just lost in, in peril. You just suck. The Giants, the, the Saints, I mean, now the Saints are doing good. They have Jameis, but now they're, you know, they got Simeon playing quarterback for him. Uh, Washington, they let him go. Miami, the Jet, like you guys are just continuously looking for this position and you pass up on, on better opportunities. And, you know, I, I say this all with Cousins because there's been other opportunities that a Kirk Cousins has been out there, but people are just so consumed. They got big eyes for the big prize. And you know what? If you have a chance to go get the big prize, go ahead and get it. But sometimes it's out the realm of possibility. And, and then you take a lesser option like a Zach Wilson or, or a Mitch Trubisky, okay? You need to get the quarterback if you're hunting the big prize, not a quarterback and hope that it turns out. And sometimes there's nothing wrong with turning into a, 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 an average option, above average option, like a Kirk Cousins, and knowing that, hey, you know what? We can get to seven, eight wins and we can build our program. And by getting victories, we're going to be a better team because we execute at a higher level on defense, and we got better receivers and more free agents. They'll want to come play with us because they like what we have going here. What free agent wants to go to the Giants? Wants to go to the Jets? Wants to go to the Dolphins? Like, they suck. They're awful. They're not getting wins. Historically, all have just been awful for years now. And, and passing on Kirk Cousins, just not a smart move by a lot of franchises. He didn't play well last night. And there's a lot to be desired for sure particularly against the good teams. But, you know, I, I, I tend to think that this guy, six different coordinators in six years, no less than, you know, seven wins. This is a guy that I would take over a lot of quarterbacks in the league. And I definitely think a lot of other people should be thinking the same thing in the NFL, but they're not. They're going with lesser quarterbacks and it certainly cost them. So a guy I really, I don't know if I've ever actually mentioned him on the podcast in 60th edition here. Share with your friends. We're on all avenues that you get your podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Stitcher, um, even Amazon. We're, we're on there. So go ahead, five-star review it. Share with your friends and tell them you know, you, that you can get their voice right here on the show, 816-226-7483. But Carson Wentz, you know, I've kind of been out on him for a while. Some of the injuries, not his fault. Some of the injuries totally his fault by how he plays. He's got some Andrew Luck to his game where he never wants to let a play die. You know, ever since that 2017 year when he was just uh, uh, superb on third down, just like otherworldly as far as third down conversion, he's been so gung-ho on just never letting a play die, throwing it out of bounds, uh, taking a sack, most importantly. You got to go down and save yourself as a quarterback if you want to be available to ultimately win games. Like you, you can't just always think that this is my chance. This is my chance to make a play and, and, and throw it up there for either an interception or even worse, a hit that takes you out of the game. And he's been doing that his whole career. 
It was the former yesterday, the interception, just just awful. Awful interception in, in overtime. I don't know how you don't see that defensive back that picked him off and, and, and ended their their game in overtime. It was well fought. He you know he kept him in the game, but it just goes to show once the pressure is on him, he doesn't play at a good level. He just doesn't. You know, when it, they were 0-3 and they were facing pretty much zero expectations, he had no problem playing well. But yesterday, 27 of 51, they had him throw 51 times, which recipe for Carson Wentz is not throwing 51 times. Brady, he can throw 50 times. Mahomes, he can throw 50 times. Russell Wilson, if you want to, I know the Seahawks don't like to do it, he can throw 50 times. There's probably about five or six guys, depending upon their team in a given year, and then three any year, again, the Brady, the Wilson, the Mahomes, those guys can throw that many times. Wentz, you're going to suck. I know he had three touchdowns. Three touchdowns is good. That's only 21 points, however, and I'm pr- pretty sure you lose those games when you don't score uh, more than 21. So, again, the two interceptions, just bad. I'm, I'm really out on the guy. And the team that they they lost against, they lost even something more in, in Derrick Henry. There is not a player that, that's probably more important to their, their team outside of the quarterback position than, than Derrick Henry. And I think that's clear to any, you know, normal fan out there that watches. They know Derrick Henry, he pounds the rock the entire game. And even when the Titans are slow and getting going, they continue to feed Derrick Henry because their offensive line, their uh, running back in Henry, they, they just wear you out. They mentally pummel you. They're tougher than you physically. And come those crucial minutes, those few minutes remaining in the game, he turns it on. And next thing you know, you're like, shit, it's a tie game. Like, I'm almost done underrating Tennessee. I've never really loved their program with Vrabel. I know he's tough. I know he preaches winning. I just never really liked how they were always built, their depth. They were limited offensively in the passing game. The more I watch, I'm just like, yeah, this team is great. But now that Henry's out, I mean, those questions will be there. But as long as he's healthy and active, I won't. But, I mean, this is a huge loss. I know they signed Peterson. I think they're going to have a tough time, but... At the same time, with this AFC South, it's just like, where, where do you look? I don't know where to look and think, okay, Wentz, this is the best thing for you that Derrick Henry got injured, but then also for the Titans, should I stop underestimating you? I, I'm really conflicted now. You know, I was tweeting out during the game, I really like the Colts, I really like their chances to take the South. Derrick Henry, he's now out, so I would think, you know, hey, that would go well for Carson Wentz, but Carson Wentz, anytime there's a big game, you know, he just lays an egg. So I, I'm really conflicted here with the South. Really conflicted after this weekend in week eight on Sunday. I don't know where to look because Wentz flops. Henry's very important. I think the, the offense is limited there in Tennessee. So I don't know which way to look. But overall, it's going to be very interesting who comes out of the AFC uh, in the South Division. So touching on Miami, which, you know, Brian Flores always thought he commanded the microphone well. Almost has some Mike Tomlin to him. Uh, very brutally honest, straightforward, commands respect, um, sends the right message to his guys. But it, it's just time to admit with Tua Tagovailoa, I, I know he played all right against Miami. They kept, uh, they were in the game until uh, Buffalo, I, Buffalo, correction, is who they played, uh, until they pulled away. You know, playing a good game, he ended up 21-39, 205 yards. But Josh Allen, just much better player cannon of an arm. That guy's definitely improved. He's limited the mistakes. I still think he's going to be prone to serving the ball up 
and making some bad mistakes, but he's definitely cut down on it. And Buffalo is a is a great program. But, you know, Miami, complete 180 from last year. And it's not surprising. You look at their defensive turnovers from last year. They got so many that you just look at the sheer number and you go, yeah, that's not happening again this year. And, and they haven't played well. They don't have a great quarterback. They're looking around and thinking, okay, Mac Jones doesn't make mistakes. Very, very disciplined young player. That's only going to continue and not even uh, or even get better as far as Mac Jones not making mistakes. And then you have Josh Allen, who's playing at a very high level. He's only going to get better. And obviously you got, you know, the Jets quarterback situation. They're interested in seeing how he develops. So if you're the Dolphins, you think we're at minimum the third best quarterback in the division. And Brian Flores, you know, I, I like him and what he does, but are we so sure him and Chris Greer can, you know, build a football team correctly? Because, you know, Kyle Van Noy signs that contract. He wants out. Xavier Howard, after one year, he wanted a raise. And really it's reported that he also wants out. So, you know, are we so sure that these guys know how to build a, a good football team? They, they seem to think like, you know, you, you just get draft picks and you fill the holes and you go from there. And again, it gets back to what I kicked off the podcast with. It's more to it than that. You know, it's, it's uh, receiving the compensatory picks. That's the thing the Rams do. They get picks for players that leave. They're not afraid to let a guy walk in free agency. They got a Jets, uh, John Franklin. He's a Jets pass rusher. The Rams got a comp pick for him compensatory pick that's after the third round. So for those of you that are unfamiliar, there's a round after the third round called the compensatory round. It starts there in the third. It's again after the fourth round and again after the fifth. They get picks that way. You get resources that way. They're not afraid to make trades. Miami, they just seem to think like you just collect these draft picks and you go and your players, you guys don't select well. (laughs) I mean, just don't. I mean, and you got the quarterback wrong and Players, once you sign them in free agency, they want to leave. I, I, you know, I'm really kind of starting to be out on Brian Flores. I think he's great, commands the room. Uh, he probably just isn't paired with the right general manager, and he also probably signed off on a pick at the quarterback that that wasn't the right move. Should have taken Herbert, and you know, here they are losing. Uh, I guess it would be seven straight and one and seven after ten and six last year. Doesn't look good for Dolphins and Flores moving forward. So definitely count me among those rooting for Dusty Baker. I think he's a great baseball guy. Again, five playoff teams. Hasn't happened before. Takes a lot. And he hasn't always been the greatest at managing the things on the field. He's definitely had some mishaps there, but he's great at keeping the clubhouse together, getting guys to believe that they can win, and also putting them in positions to win. Dusty Baker, one of the best. And his Astros fought off elimination 3-2 going back to Houston. Main thing I want to touch on here, I tweeted it out during the game, starting pitching. It's got to become a thing again. I know Kenny Rosenthal of The Athletic wrote a piece. He had one thing that I've agreed with for years now, and that's limiting pitching staffs to 12 guys. He even went as far as saying 11 potentially, which would put you in theory when you're looking at getting guys go deeper into game. Five starting pitchers, six relievers. That might be crunching it a little bit. But the thing about getting the game going, moving the game, pace of game, and getting it back to um, an interesting uh, you know, product is also making sure that the starting pitcher is something that people are asking about. It used to be, who's starting tonight? Who's pitching tonight? Because it's, it's the easiest way to defend runs is having an ace starting pitcher. 
and knowing who's on the mound, who can keep us in the game, who can allow us the most easiest way to win. When you have a starting pitcher like Garrett Cole, Max Scherzer, um, Jacob deGrom, whoever in their heyday, it's because they can suppress runs and make it easier on the lineup to win. Right now, it's just about, hey, can you get me, you know, five outs? Can you get me through the middle of the second inning? It's awful for the product because all you have is these stalls and pitching changes and and defensive adjustments and and looking at note cards out in the field. Like I'm so done with all of that. Get that out of the dugout. That was also one of my recommendations. Get the electronics out, get the notes out, just allow pitcher uh, pitching coaches and managers, whomever to track the game, keep score. I want monitors in the dugout information that's got to be gone once the test is out, if you will. Take it all out. I don't want guys running back to the video room. I don't want guys looking at tablets in the dugout or even between pitching changes or even getting signs relayed from the manager to the catcher and stepping off. No more mound visits. Cut out the dead weight. Either you're prepared or you're not. And ban the shift. Open up holes so you can get more action on the base pass and, and, and uh, battle runner. Because right now it's home run, walk, and strikeout. You want guys to actually get hits. You want longer careers from the pull hitters that are aging slow down the line. Open up the holes. Make illegal defense a thing. And make sure that staffs are limited. Because right now, these games are taking far too long. Far too long. And and I'm really one that really doesn't care about how long the game is. But I know every time I watch, I go, God, there's no way people care about this as much as someone like me or, or even all the baseball nerds out there. There just isn't. You got to make sure that it's a compelling product. And if anything, just give off the perception that, you know, the game is fast. That's the thing about football. They give off the perception with the play clock and with replays that there actually is more action going on than there actually is. Really, a football game takes about as long as baseball. But you dole the minds of the consumer when when you just have nothing going on. So th- those are my three things. Ban the shift, limit pitching staffs, so then you're forced to pick five that are going to start, and also it you know, trickles down into your organization and how you train and develop arms. You, you force them to have more pitches, pitch deeper into games. But also take electronics, take notes out of the dugout. Get this thing moving. No more mound visits. Get this thing moving, and hopefully we'll have baseball uh, a bigger priority for the younger fans. Again, I like that the 60-year-olds – Love baseball, and really the six-year-olds are going to be around for 20-plus years, so I you know, make the argument baseball is not dying, but you do have to get younger people involved, and I think those are the three best ways to do it. Appreciate everybody listening. That's episode 60 of the podcast. We had a okay week eight. Again, had some uh, good games, maybe not some great matchups. Looking to week nine, I know we got the Cowboys visiting the Broncos, Dak Prescott, Looks like he'll be back. Mike McCarthy listed. We got Kyler Murray uh, and the Packers coming off um, their Thursday night game that kicked us off. That was probably the best game of the week. And again, Thursday night football. You give it the number one crew, Aikman and Buck, Fox, division games. You just make it a big deal. And yeah, afterthought, three years ago, Thursday night football, get rid of it. Yeah, no, print cash, says the NFL. They just put more resources into Thursday night football, double down, and look, it's a hit. So more football starting Thursday. Uh, Again, I think we have the Colts and the Jets. So 
Maybe not as great of a matchup, but we'll see if it's a good game. Excited to watch Colts and, and win, see if he can bounce back. Uh, Wilson or uh, uh, Mike White in the Jets. Um, they'll be hoping to get back-to-back victories, so we'll definitely tune in for that. But before that, we got the World Series. So any questions, comments, tweet at me, at Pete4C. Hit up the text line, 816-226-7483. Again, 816-226-7483. Have your voice right here on the show. We'll le- read your uh, your uh, text or call aloud, and you can be a part of the podcast. But thanks so much for tuning in. Tell your friends, tell your folks, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>